not cool. Yeah. Plus, that little kid can't say Saudi Arabia for shit. You're such an asshole. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Kingdom. I saw The Kingdom in a free one of my friends, uh, girlfriends, now wife slash baby mama, um, used to work at a Barnes and Noble. And someone would put in their break whoa, whoa, room. Whoa, I'm sorry. Your friend's wife. Yeah. Mother of his child. Correct. Used to work at Barnes and Noble. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm caught up. Go ahead. Um, and someone used to put down like free tickets to previews for movies. And so I got to see this for free before it came out um, in theaters, which is not that cool, but whatever. I really liked it. Um I was actually pretty moved by it. I thought it was very well done. Uh, it's by our boy, Peter Berg, who for some reason, this is our third of his movies. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really great thriller, um, but that just happened to be set in a situation that is sort of uh, ripe with like political conflict and you know people having strong opinions about which I think negatively affected the uh, people's view on the movie a little bit. Um, But watching it again, it's still really great. Um, I used to get this in, uh, I didn't get this in Hurt Locker mixed up. I would get certain scenes from it. I'd be like, which one was that from? Because this came out in 07, Hurt Locker came out in like 09. Um, But I think this movie really holds up and I really, really wanted you to watch it. So what did you think? I I liked it. I, I do like how not even set to do Peter Berg movies, but we started out with possibly like the lowest caliber caliber of Peter Berg movies with the rundown. Not saying the rundown is a bad movie, but honest, you know, obviously this movie and Friday Night Lights is much better. Um and uh I don't want to say like this guy doesn't have a style, um, but it's almost like if your high school jock made a movie, but was really good at making movies, this is the kind of style I expect out of that. If that makes any sense. Um, it's like, it's like uh, going for artistic, but also like super mainstream and like easily kind of digestible by most people. Exactly. And I also feel like there's a good amount of like testosterone pumped through these films too. Um, There's definitely like a pro America slant um, to them. Yeah. uh, Especially after this, like Deepwater Horizon, Patriots Day, so on. Right. Uh, It's just like Lone Survivor battleship you know just 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 we're doing battleship. That'll be the fourth. Yeah. Great. Another John Carter. Actually, Taylor Kitsch is in that one too. I even got um sicario vibes from... now you're just desert <laughs> now i'm just desert naming war chases films. chases in desert um what's interesting and and how you said that this was topical it's interesting watching movies over the course of like 60s 70s 80s 90s and early 2010s and today um because there's always this like overarching bad guy that like some foreign country is like this decade's enemy and obviously it's kind of coinciding who 
America is at war with at the time. But I thought what was interesting about this movie was that there are conflicting sides of the same country. And so it made it quite clear in the film, like, you know, this is the good guys and this is the bad guys, even though, you know, we obviously have like our American main characters with Jason Bateman, Jimmy Fox. Um, so that was cool to me how it was not so black and white, but it was like red versus blue versus yellow sort of thing. I don't know if those last colors meant, but what I think you're trying to say and what I will agree with is I do like, I think they give like a very nuanced portrayal of the bad guys of the, like in a normal movie, like in a movie, not as well done, you would expect like America to be the good guys. And then all the people in the middle Eastern country to be the bad guys. Right. But they actually give a lot of time to the story of um, Al Ghazi and Haytham, who are like kind of the two guys that we root for from that country, um, from Saudi right. Arabia. And I don't think it was a movie that is like not as well made because I think movies that are made nowadays and maybe in the last 10 years make a point to do that. I think movies that were made like in the 80s and 90s didn't give a shit to do that. You know, yeah, but I, what I'm saying is, you know, we we're kind of like disparaging a little bit the the Peter Berg and and his kind of slant. But I think this is actually pretty. I think it holds up as far as the portrayal is what I'm saying. The fact that it shows like, you know, this isn't it, this reminded me of something and it's like completely off topic, but every once in a while. Well, not every once in a while for a while i was watching these videos where this guy was getting call scammer calls right and was just fucking with these guys on the phone and okay. all these call centers are from india right and that's it's that isn't like you would think oh that's like an america versus india thing like we have heard of this problem with india but if you go through his comments there are so many people from india who are like i'm so sorry that you guys have to deal with this we hate these guys too I love your channel because you're taking these guys out because they give us a bad name. And it's just like that's kind of similar to this in that it's like there's a lot of good guys in, in this country that are trying to fight the same fight we are. And, you know, I, I think you can still have quibbles with the movie about the way things are portrayed um, and maybe certain stereotypes. But I do think the movie is at least attempting to go to great pains to paint a more nuanced like picture of this area this area being arizona apparently um but i i think the movie especially for a movie that's you know 15 years old at this point i think was at least attempting whether you think it did a good job i did attempting to show like uh, uh like as i said a more nuanced view of this what's interesting too is that i uh it's kind of funny you said arizona it's funny how things work out, right? Um, is that I have been on kind of a Rambo kick lately. Um, and so now I'm on, I'm going to watch Rambo 4. And I finished Rambo 3 last night. And it was supposed to be taking, taking place in Afghanistan. Um, and most of it was shot in Arizona. 
uh, uh, the parts that weren't shot in Arizona were shot in Israel, but they couldn't get enough like time and money and like the permits wouldn't go through because Israel is very like strict about that. Um, so the movie, if you don't know what Rambo three is about, um, is that the Colonel Rambo's uh, Colonel that trained him gets kidnapped in Afghanistan. So Rambo has to go over there, but he gets kidnapped by the Russians. Right. And he gets help from the Afghani people. And so at the end of the movie, right before the, the credits drop, it goes, this movie is dedicated to the gallant people of Afghanistan. And it's so strange to me that like 40 years ago, we had no like problem with the Middle East. And now all of our movies nowadays are like the Middle Easterners are the villains. Um, less problems. I don't know about no problem. <laughs> right. A lot less problems. And so then, um, and it's also funny. So the gallant people of Afghanistan, and it was like, wow, like you would never see that in a, in a movie made today in the last 10 years. Um, but what's even funnier to me than that is that even 40 years later, the Russians are still the villains of movies. That, that doesn't make. change. <laughs> that the never villains changed. in movies in real life. <laughs> um, that does. Thank you for the Rambo three segue. You're but that does a little bit go into, I like appreciate the opening. Um, I was reading up a little bit about how some of the facts are not exactly correct. And the idea that you can sort of concisely state like the history of an entire, like, region slash country in a couple of minutes i think was like a little bit probably too much but i thought the visuals were pretty cool um the like the oil usage versus oil making and then obviously pretty impactful especially at the time where like the the graph changes and then you see the two towers yeah um i thought that whole opening was very like slick for lack of a better term um but then right after that you kind of just get straight into it and it's this this movie is bookended basically by like two action scenes like like a really awful one in the beginning and then like a a really kind of like intense thriller at the end awful you mean tragic yeah yeah based on what happens not like they executed it badly in the movie correct um you know we were talking about this a little earlier and I was saying that this movie has kind of a, a setup and a payoff that plays in an unusual way, right? They let an action scene start and it's almost like this fake ending. And then there's something that kicks off another um, jump to it and then it ends. Um, and we see this in the beginning. I was confused at first because I was like, all right, we're in F. Um, we're in Saudi Arabia, right? But then there's all these white people playing baseball. And I was like, wait, are we in America? And then it keeps jumping over to Jamie Foxx and his son at the school. It's like, no, that's America. And I was like, okay, so these are just like people who work. We are explained later that it's people who work for a company based yeah, the, in the oil company, which I think they talk about a little bit in the opening. Yeah. And so um, we get this kind of intense thing and, and it's not like there's a lot of other directors that are much better at setting up a uh, a tense moment 
but I think this one is is done pretty well where we actually see the villains from like across a built like across the way in a building kind of formulating their um their plan for this attack um and it starts off with uh with two officers getting killed two gunshots kind of start alerting everyone but not to the point where they're like was that a gunshot was it, what was that where how far away was that and then, yeah, was that was that outside of the compound because you know that may have happened quite a bit um you know because a lot of some of the some of the places had safe rooms and so um yeah that is uh the start of that into like the way it kind of juxtaposes what's happening with flurry uh jamie fox's character in the u.s like at his son's school to like what's happening at the softball game and it's like that opening softball game scene is really rough when when the car is going through and just like mowing them all down with the machine yeah as you see a guy running for his son and he gets shot in the back um and you don't see if the kid gets killed or not no the kid um so what I really liked about that is I think the kid is fine because he's gonna hit the kid with the car, but then the other car from the good cop T-bones him and stops him. That's right. Yeah, Haytham. So we find out later. Which by the way, um, he was in a movie, him and Al Ghazi, but Haytham is like the leading guy in the movie I'd watched before this called uh Paradise Now, which is like a really interesting movie about like two suicide bombers right before they're supposed to commit the act like leading the days leading up to it Hmm. which is just kind of a very interesting picture into like you know a mindset that you've like probably have never like really thought about before like someone capable of that um anyway that's just an aside it's a it was a really good movie yeah going back to that though that scene is as i said it's very rough um you see all these people just getting mowed down right and then eventually the softball, softball game realizes like something's up and they all start running. And then you're put in the place of these people in this compound because you don't know what's going on, right? In the beginning, you know that these two guys are shooting everybody, right? But you then, that's what everyone else in the compound then knows. But then the softball people are running and this guy's like, oh no, come over here, come to me. And then you hear him start praying and you know, oh shit. And he blows himself up and takes out quite a bit of people. And as you said, like you kind of think, oh, we're done here. All right. right. This was like the worst of it. Um, and it even cuts to Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, the show, um, to talk about, to talk to Jamie Foxx about the whole thing. Like he's like, oh, how long ago did this happen? Is like an hour ago. Um, and so from what you gather there is you get that Jamie Foxx is part of the FBI, right? It was like really, really sunny out. And then it <laughs> feels like it's nighttime. And that was apparently one hour, which I think is weird. Um, yeah. And you get Jamie Foxx is like talking to his son about, oh, he's probably gonna have to go over there. And they really establish like how close this relationship is between Kyle Chandler and Jamie Foxx. And then later on, Jennifer Garner and Chris Cooper and it's very interesting how how they're able to make you care about well you and I care about Kyle Chandler cuz we just like him and we've seen him in a ton of stuff was he um, in battleship Kyle Chandler he may have been cuz he was in a he was in Godzilla versus Kong movie um 
How is that related to this? He he plays a um like a military officer captain dude very well. He was the cop in uh, Super Eight. He was. He was. He's also, he also in zero. He's also in Zero Dark Thirty. I was gonna say he also plays a father really well too. He was not in Battleship. Okay. He was in The Wolf of Wall Street playing an FBI agent. If that oh, does anything shit. for you. Nah, not really, but you know, kind of proves my point. I think the movie does a really great job of establishing how much we should care about Kyle Chandler. And to the point where it's like, oh, Uncle Fran is over there. I have to go over there. And then as you know, as I said, you think it's over and then there's just a huge explosion. And you know, like, I think pretty instantaneously, you know, like, oh, shit, this was all a setup for this major explosion right here. Like everything else was to set up this moment. Or at least I thought that was pretty obvious. I don't know about you. I had to, I had to watch the scene again because I was like, I'm really bad at just accepting a character that I really likes, death. <laughs> so I had maybe to watch he the, made it. Yeah, I had to watch the scene again being like, you know what? Maybe he was out of the blast radius. And the way they shot that where he's just like right there and the blast radius was so huge. I was like, no, nah, forget it. And then the very next scene, you get the call that he's like, He's dead, you know? I think it's funny how they spread out all the actors into different parts, and you know, but it's like all these people you don't recognize, and then Jason Bateman and Jennifer Garner and Chris Cooper all sitting separately from each other, but like, you know, this is going to be the team. Right. And it's like, why were they just all sitting together? Like, like you're going to throw us off or something? I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's one of those movies, kind of like when we did The Outsiders, except The Outsiders was like all those actors introduced one by one right in a row right in the beginning but i was like oh you know i didn't know kyle chandler in this was in this movie and then he dies and i was like oh that's why and then i'm like oh jason bateman oh chris Cooper. like you know i'm like holy shit like there they are even see some like original friday night light people in there you know so even the director even the director which i have no idea what he looked like but then you explained to me where he was and i was like okay What's interesting is this whole movie is trying to figure out who did this explosion. But in that first meeting, they're like, yeah, it could have possibly been Abu Hamza, <laughs> who's a Saudi Arabian guy who might have uh, planned this attack in his own country. And it's, it's like th they figured it out like five minutes into the movie. Yeah, because, but the, like, whole, the whole thing is they had to be sure, right? They had to be 100% sure. And they had to find the guy too. Well, no, that... That really wasn't the point of them going over there. They did find him, but that was sort of just a bonus that I don't think they could have expected. Um, also, thank goodness for Haytham that he sweats a lot and that his uniforms, he happened to have some sort of uniforms in there. Otherwise, he was just going to keep getting tortured to death. I don't... Haytham is getting tortured by um, the guy who's kind of in charge... What's oh, uh, General Abdul Malik? Okay, and he, he uh, the general's like, Oh, you have six uniforms checked out to you, that's way more than anyone else. And he's like, I sweat a lot, and they keep beating on him. And then Al Ghazi goes into his locker and finds the uniforms and finds sweat stains and brings them out. And he's like, All right, we're done here, and like throws them at the general. And the general looks at him and he's like, 
if anyone asks all these marks that we gave you are from the crash what's funny about that too is that they were like oh so you killed them to keep them silent so we couldn't question them later on and then it kind of replayed back what what you know that scene where he does kill them and i'm like because i i even thought uh maybe they're onto something there you know um but then circumstances you know the the guys were pulling guns on him right the one guy even called him a traitor um before trying to pull the gun on him and he shot him dead so i was like no he gave them plenty of chances to surrender um but he he had no choice in those in those kill shots right and there is um in kind of an earlier draft of this they were going to make it so that he became like disenfranchised because they accused him of this. And so then he tried to blow himself up. He like turned to the other side and actually like Chris Cooper tried to stop him and ended up getting blown up too. Um, but I think for the better, they rewrote the script. Yeah. That wouldn't have, that wouldn't have worked. You know, it's funny and, and, and I'm kind of going to skip close to the end, but for a while you're worried about Jason Bateman's life. I won't go into too much detail about it, but you're worried about Jason Bateman's life. And then you're like, well, they have to rescue him, right? They have to. So they go in and they rescue him. And scenes like that are kind of hard for me to watch because you know that there's no point in going in to rescue your team member if one of your other team members die, right? So like if Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Gardner and Chris Cooper all go in to rescue Jason Bateman and they do it and then Jennifer Gardner dies, you're like, well, it was a life for a life. Like you just valued her, his more than hers. So you pretty much knew when they were all going in to save him, none of them were going to die. Um, and I think that takes away a lot of like the anxiety of it especially when like they were rounding those corners and I was like, no, one's going to get blown in the head, at least not from the American team. You know, I, th- I think there are a lot of movies where you have a team go in to save somebody and someone else dies in the beginning of a movie. Sure. But at the end of the movie where we like establish all the characters, I, I think that's rare. Well, I don't have any specific examples right now, but I just know you're wrong. So we're going to have to move on. Yeah. Um, I really like Richard Jenkins in this movie. He's only got like two scenes, but he's really great in both of them. And so they're having this meeting back home. And uh, are you talking about the guy who plays the attorney general or the guy being being uh, head of the FBI? Oh, kind of the older bald guy. Yeah. From um, that fish sex movie we watched from Shape of Water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about him is that if you close your eyes, he sounds like George Clooney. No, he fucking doesn't. Yeah, he does. I swear to God. I swear to God. He sounds like George Clooney. I love his line that where he's like, to not go after criminals because they may harm us is not a policy of the FBI. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, if you go over there, you know, they'll, they'll try and kill you. And he's like, that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. The guy that's who cool. plays the attorney general plays a great like asshole in everything he does he also plays a great vampire that doesn't speak english he also plays a great god of war whatever he was in wonder woman 
I didn't see that. Um, I don't understand why they got a show. Kyle Chandler's son. And then the son's like, my daddy died in Saudi Arabia. Why the fuck you got to do that? Do that to me, Peter Berg. Not it's unnecessary. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Not cool. Yeah. Plus, that little kid can't say Saudi Arabia for shit. You're such an asshole. <laughs> I uh, so next, obviously, they have to get to Saudi Arabia. It's not looking good though. But then Fox, Jamie Fox uses a Washington Post reporter to float a fake story, and that gets him a meeting with the Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia ambassador. And he's like, "I will." What's funny too is he floats this fake story, but it scares the ambassador enough to be like, "You don't have proof for that." And he's like. Oh, well, shit. That, I mean, now I know it's true, right? Makes me think I, it's a real story. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I want to go in immediately. And he's like, define immediately. And he's like, right the fuck now. <laughs> when they kind of formulate the team, my favorite line in the beginning of the movie is when they get Jason Bateman. <laughs> and he's like, why me? And then he's like, well, you're the one who fucking wanted to go right now. He's like, I said the FBI, not I. <laughs> The Jason Bateman is like, do you think they asked Ryan Reynolds first? You know, what's funny. It's like Ryan Reynolds is, is plays a good, like that character, but he has to be like either like a way more charismatic character. He has to be the character who dies or he has to be the main character. I feel like Jason Bateman in that, in that level, um, is that type of character you know and nothing really special or attention grabbing has to happen well Um, i i just just think it's a more subtle version of the ryan reynolds character and i don't know i think ryan reynolds is capable of it but i think when you bring in ryan reynolds he does he like turns ryan reynolds to 11 and i don't think that works in this situation but i do think he could have done what jason bateman did but jason bateman's like perfect in this later on he's like the Al Ghazi's like, all right, we have to leave. Don't grab any evidence. And Jason Bateman's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Grab it. I'm going to go grab whatever. He's like, why do you talk to me like this? I'm going to put soap in your mouth. He's like, (laughs) just like keeps cursing at him. It's so funny. Have you ever seen a Wolverine origin where Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool? I have. Um, He, when you said that, it kind of reminded me of that role where because when I watched it, I don't even think I quite grasped who Ryan Reynolds was at that point, but he plays a character that is not Wolverine. He's not, he's obviously not Hugh Jackman. He's just one of the mercenary guys, but he's so charismatic and he's so like cool that you're like, oh man, that, you know, that character is something. And then you never see him again for the rest of the movie. And then he shows up at the end. Ryan Reynolds plays that kind of character where he has to come back at the end of something, right? But, um, I mean, spoiler alert, Jason Bateman came back at the end. <laughs> yeah, but he was there the whole time. I was going to say it was a good dynamic between Jamie Foxx's character, Jason Bateman, Chris Cooper, and and um, Jennifer Garner. I think they complement each other well. I agree. And I like the, uh, the story about Kyle Chandler's character, about how he, like, Chris Cooper talks about how he, like, Jamie Foxx saved his career by sending him to Riyadh just kind of further explaining like why they feel the need to go so badly. And then I love when Jamie Foxx is like, yeah, he used to send me bad ties each year. And Chris Cooper's like, oh, he sent me ties too. Those are good ties. 
Jamie Foxx is like, you buy your clothes and your car batteries from the same place. <laughs> it's like, come with me and, and I'll, I'll show you style. <laughs> open a, open a magazine of LL Bean. Um, a lot of whispering happens too in that courtroom scene. Um, they're like, oh, what did you whisper in his ear? Or do you remember what you whispered in her ear? Or do you remember? And then court, was it a courtroom? It was a whatever. Um, a lot of whispering. And then it played that again in the end. Like it played that back at the end of the movie. Yeah, I figured we'd talk about that in the end of the movie. It happened in the beginning of the movie. I know, but I figured the explanation happens at the very end. It's kind of a poignant part of the movie and sort of a big reason the movie was made. So thought we'd discuss it at the end. Well, we can discuss it at the end. Sounds good. Um, I like the the touches too of when they get there. He's like, you know, you got to hand over your guns and Chris Cooper tries to hide his and Jamie Foxx is like, no. And then the Israeli pass uh, stamp in the passport and they're all like freaking out about it. And now guys are just like, it's not my concern. Like, we just got to keep it moving. Let's Let's get out of here. Um, but all why, that, all that why stuff is that a big really deal? adds to it. I'm obviously missing something political there. Israel and the rest of the Middle East don't really get along. Gotcha. Do you really that think Jason it. Bateman had a grandmother over there? His character might have. Um, is he just like everyone had their own like little special skill set, but Jason Bateman, uh, what was he just like an analyst? I don't know. Huh. I don't remember what was he doing when they finally were able to investigate. Fucking around with Chris Cooper. That's yeah. the only thing I remember is when they're investigating, Jennifer Garner is doing the autopsies, right? And then Chris Cooper is putting together the bomb from the ambulance and figured out it was an ambulance. And then he gets up. Jason Bateman's making fun of him and he wipes the dirt off of his hands on Jason Bateman's shirt. I don't know what I mean, the fuck Jason he was Bateman doing the rest was, of the time. Jason Bateman was doing stuff before that. I just don't really remember what it was. What's funny is they actually only investigate for like a day. <laughs> Once they're actually able to investigate, it's literally only a day. So the prince is a dick, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a dick. So is the general. Um, I do like when they're driving and how fast they're going and the explanation of that, the standard operating speed. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. Uh, Jason Bateman's line like, oh, maybe if we slow down, we'd recognize livestock. <laughs> um, who was the guy? I think he, the actors from Entourage, mainly known for Entourage. Jeremy Piven. Yeah, yeah. So who, I didn't quite understand his character. He was like a, he works with the State Department, so he like kind of ambassador. Yeah, yeah. I think he answers to the Attorney General. Okay. Um, or at least in this, maybe he didn't answer to the Attorney General. He just is, you know, in lockstep with what he thinks. Um, so they get locked in the gym, and then the the next Richard Jenkins scene where uh, the Attorney General is like reading off the note to him that he read to the uh, to the Terror Committee. Right. And Jenkins is like, well, you know, I think what happened is you went to the president and he wouldn't fire me because I'm doing what I should be doing. And so now you're just going to some committee. And and I love the lines of like, you know, you can go out on your feet or, or your knees. And he's like, that's just the way I do this job. You, you can fire me whenever you want. 
but it's not going to change how I do this. And I think that was like, once again, he has like two pretty great scenes. I think he has a couple more too, but those are the ones that like stick out to me. Yeah, he comes back at the very end, I believe. But that that's uh, more poignant ones. Um, but then we do meet Jeremy Piven, who is like a perfectly Weasley character. That's exactly the word I was going to use to describe him. I love uh, Jamie Foxx is like, you talk too much. And he's like, you ain't wearing a vest. You got nothing. And like, as he like hits him on the chest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those are those are good scenes. And then the prince is like, you know, you're going to come to dinner to the next, you know, you're not coming to dinner tonight. You're coming to dinner tomorrow night because we got to show you guys struggling to get things done. And then you're going to come to me <laughs> like for purposes of the story. So I thought that was funny. Just I like, like movie making bullshit. <laughs> I like right when the uh, the prince invites them to dinner the next night. Um, Piven's like, all right, listen, I got a plane ready to go. We can just get on the plane. We can just go. You can just go and leave right now. That can be just over. And they're like looking at each other like, no. Right. Like, um, so they're locked in the gym. They go out the first day, but then they're immediately told they have to go back in. So while they're while they're in the gym, they find the Abu Hamza video. Um, and they can see, all right, this is the vantage point of the bad guys watching the terrorist attack happen. I mean, this is what gives them the idea to kind of when they are allowed to look around to eye a certain building that does have that vantage point, but everything that leads up to this, I just found um, is getting kind of slow for me, the movie, just like, I understood the buildup, but you got to go have dinner with the prince. And then you got to go ask the prince and the prince gives you permission. There's like 45 minutes of investigating scenes. And now we get into the action, you know, not that I wasn't appreciative of like the good buildup and the good storytelling there, but I was like, you know what? This is just the, there's the action, man. Yeah. We're going to talk about the story building a little bit. So buckle up. I also really like Al Ghazi and he does this several times. I mentioned it before, but when he just looks at Jason Bateman, he's like, I don't like your jokes. <laughs> he's like a very like, self-serious guy and he doesn't like he like doesn't get the american sarcasm of jason bateman he doesn't like the cursing i think it's very funny like i think he's established really well for that type of character in this movie so next after this they go to interview witnesses and this is when we get to meet uh tim mcgraw um we also get to meet um ashley scott which was I only know her from the Birds of Prey TV show that I watched. <laughs> she the blonde woman from where they were like, oh, it's so sad what happened to the Jacksons. Yeah. Um, and Tim McGraw's line of like, my son was trying to put band-aids like on his mom's face to put her jaw back on. I was like, holy fuck. You know, that was just Tim McGraw <laughs> requesting. He's like, uh, if I'm going to play this part, I, I need something really tragic. Pete, I should be drunk again, right? You want me to be drunk again? Okay, I, I got it. You know, no need. I got this. Yeah. You, you don't want me to be drunk? Too late. Um, and then after this, uh, Chris Cooper is like, 
talking to Al Ghazi. He's like, your men are walking all over this evidence. He's like, do you understand what evidence is? Little <laughs> clues. And Al Ghazi's like, oh, do you want to go into the hole? And Chris Cooper's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, no, you're not going to the hole. Um, and then also, so after this, they're retracing the scene and they show where Haytham shot the two guys and Jennifer Garner walks by him and is like, nice work. And I still can't tell if she was being sarcastic. Oh, I didn't think she was being sarcastic. I thought she was like, good job shooting those fuckers. Yeah, I, I just don't know what because you know we're all it's already been established that like he got in trouble for killing them because they wanted witnesses. Um, so it's just yeah, I the way she said it was so deadpan that I just like still can't tell to this day. No, I took I took it as I took it as that uh, just because I guess who was affected second to Jamie Foxx the most by Fran's death was her. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, after this, we get the <laughs> Bateman reading the Idiot's Guide to the Quran, <laughs> um, and then we get our first Friday Night Lights moment where we get Al Ghazi and Haytham both going home, and we get the Friday Night Lights type music like the Peterberg. Like classic. This is what I think of when I think of him. Like he plays this like very like slow, like melodic music that's I can't even I'm not very good at describing music, but it sounds exactly like the same stuff from Friday Night Lights. And it's like really gets you to care about these two characters, um, which I think, as we pointed out, like movies before this didn't really care about these characters from other countries. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then we get to the second day and the only difference about the second day is they get permission to go to this tall building and they get there, but then there's just a new guy who's going to stop them from going in. And after he hits Al Ghazi, I love the way that Jamie Foxx beats the shit out of this dude so quickly that he doesn't even know what happened. I like how he was like, are you okay? He's like, no, are you okay? You're the one who got slapped. <laughs> right. Um, and then they go up there and they're like, hey, this is they show they tell Al Ghazi's like, this is what we're telling you. Like, we found this detonator. This is the vantage point. This shows you everything. It's like this is the same view of the Abu Hamza video um, that we think is Abu Hamza. Um, and I, I think the relationship between him and Jamie Foxx is really established in this, especially when he's like, hey, um, tonight when you go to dinner at the Prince's, uh, she can't come. Jamie Foxx is like, oh, OK. Hey, hey, he has something to tell you. <laughs> and just walks off. And then he goes up. She's like, yeah. He goes, is, is your left your, ear or, or your yeah, right ear your, okay? Is, is it good? <laughs> yeah, it's so, so good. And I love to, as they're driving to the dinner, he's like, yeah, his rapture, don't, don't, uh, Flinch. don't lose eye contact with it. And he's like, his rapture, what are you talking about? And it cuts to Jason Bateman with it on his arm. He's just like, oh, what the fuck? Uh, is that what those things are called? Or is it just raptors? A... It's a yeah. raptor. Yeah. That's I mean, it's, it's a, a hawk. It's a hawk. I know it's not a rapture. Thanks. But yeah, it's a hawk. I also like too how, so when he's talking to the prince and the prince is like, oh, you know, it's innate. And he's like, yeah, it is innate. And then he like, he gives all the credit to Al Ghazi. When really Al Ghazi hasn't done much. Like we like Al Ghazi and he's, we can tell he's a good guy and that he wants to catch these guys, but he actually hasn't done any of the things that uh, Jamie Foxx gave him credit for. 
but it's almost just to kind of like placate the prince and be like yeah this you know this saudi guy is helping us and like we need you know we need to be able to investigate um and I, I think that scene is pretty cool especially i love the drive home when they're all celebrating that they get to uh they get to actually start investigating the next day yeah yeah and then uh at that point in the movie i was like oh cool investigating scene like i'm thinking like montage csi sort of stuff and it's just this like 20 minute thing of them like digging through mud and bodies it's not i won't say it's that long we do by the way i think at this point jason bateman puts on gloves and goes to one of the saudi guys he's like hey you want to check huh what was he doing though i was digging through stuff digging Uh. through dirt I mean, yeah, Jamie Foxx was just like too pretty to do that, you know. He's like, ah, I'm not digging through dirt. I'll go, I'll go over here. Um, I do like when <laughs> when he's like, uh, it's something about the expression of like, oh, we got bigger fish to catch or whatever. And he's like, oh, he says something about a dog. Jamie Foxx is like, oh, it's a fish. And he's like, well, you know, dog is much bigger than fish. And Jamie Foxx is like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't make the expression up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like catch. I don't know. But yeah. Um, when. When Chris Cooper is digging through the mud and they're like, can we get a pump? He's like. He asked for the pump, right? And the guy's like pump. And then next thing is like, they're all like paling out the water right um but then they get to the i don't know what he calls it but it's the axle and then it's like so obviously it's it's of an ambulance it's a Um, gurney and then at the same time that they're digging that out right jennifer gardner is doing the autopsy um where this scene comes up where he she can't touch the bodies because they're muslim and then uh, it's just like, okay, well, where are all the non-Muslim bodies? And they're like, oh, it's over here. Like, that's fine. Yeah, go go do what you want with those. And then at the same time that she's do- digging through the bodies and Chris Cooper's digging through the mud, they both come upon marble. Well, and actually you see a scene where um, they're like putting a car together or they're, they're building bombs, right? Abu Hamza and his people are like building some sort of bombs. You don't really know what it's for, but you're like, oh shit, that's, you know, something's happening. But what's cool too is all while this is happening, Al Ghazi's like, I'm going to take you to a guy I know. And I think this is like kind of one of the really cool scenes and really like establishes like the audience's like, like for Al Ghazi, like what, like, you know, and establishes his character. And <laughs> but he's like, that we talked about this before we started, but the, uh, the green beast. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, and then he's like, oh, did you know Steve Austin? And he's like, the six million, six million dollar man, that's my shit. He's like, oh, you have to go to the bathroom. What's uh, what's funny is the um, the scene where he introduces him to the guy gives a lot of. Um, but by the way, what a weird room, just full of like teenage boys playing video games. Uh, it's like it felt like kind of like an internet cafe, basically. But like the arcade slash internet cafe. But this guy who used to be the bomber, a bomber, runs it for community service. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, I guess that's uh, what he's good at, you know? Okay. I love when he's like, yeah, he's like, does he know where Bin Laden is? Because that would be a huge promotion for me. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, I also read before this real quick, the uh, Al Ghazi, when he's like, when, I, when we catch this guy, I don't even want to ask him one question. I just want to kill him. I thought it was a really cool scene and definitely like ties to the end. Um, but yeah, when they're talking to this bomb maker and he was saying like, oh, it has to be a professional. It has to be someone. He's like, why? And he's like, because someone that could kill these, you know, women and children, like that has to be like, you know, this type of person. And then he's like, what made you stop? And he's like, not sleeping for 17 days. Yeah. Will make That's... anyone stop. Yeah. Yeah. I also love to, and He's like, do you know where Abu Hamza is? And he laughs. He's like, he's like a ghost. And then now guys, he's like, he said he's like a ghost. He's like, I got that. I got that part. Thanks. Uh, when he shakes his hand and he realizes he's missing two fingers and the line, um, every bomb maker gets bit by their own creation. Um, you, you know something, something about that's going to come back. Uh, yeah, for sure. You may have already seen in a very quick cut and i think i noticed it because i'd already seen this but abu hamza's hand was already i think messed up in a in like a quick you know little bit earlier um so then they the next day they're like okay we're gonna go get this guy whose brother was one of the guys killed one of the shooters he was the last person to rent out the ambulance or to ride in the ambulance and so we're going to go to his compound and at the same time you see them building this huge car bomb and you think like oh that's what they're breaking into and it's kind of i don't know it's like one of those things where it's like trying to dumb it down a little bit for the audience you know yeah yeah but but at the same time it's also trying to like oh we're about to get them right now and then it's kind of the switch through like oh no we're not we're getting these lower level people and then the prince rushes in piven rushes in they're like we did it guys. <laughs> and Jamie Foxx is like, we didn't do shit. Like these, this is not it. Like These are not them. These are just some guy. These are some bad guys. These aren't the bad guy we were going after. I love when Piven walks in and he sees all the bodies and he starts to like throw up. And he like falls to his knees. It's like, this guy's not cut out for like this terrain and what this job entails. Not at all. Um, it happens so quick. I guess that what what they do, they throw a couple grenades in there and they went in shooting and they were all just dead. Yeah, these are like what some lower level teenagers. So um, but this was like basically the photo op that the State Department and the Prince wanted. This was like best case scenario. No one had gotten killed. So like, all right, let's let's get out of here while we can. He even gets and a call that- from his supervisor. He's like, all right, is anyone hurt? Is anyone shot? Like everyone OK? He's like, yeah. Everyone's fine. Which is really weird because this seemed like a spur of the moment thing, but I guess they like let people know as they were going. Um, But then from this point on, there's like 30 minutes left in the movie and we get basically like a super intense, like 15 minute, like chase scene kind of finale of this, right? Like the, the climax of the movie, basically. Yeah, when he notices like the the guy on top of the bridge like puts his hand out and the car behind him slows down. Yeah, uh, all those little things that he's like paying attention to. Um, 
and as the audience, like they're obviously pointed out to you in a very obvious way. Uh, and then you see like the Benz or which I forget which car, the first one you see. And then he sees all the, like the SUV back off of him, which I guess you realize that like all the other officers are like in on this. Except for the two people that blow up in the front. Yeah. The front car was not, but then the back car was like all completely like guys who were like, you know, wanted to do this. So they like, and also like the car that they blew up was just to blow up this one car. I don't know how well this part was planned. Cause you, you think it was, they put all that explosive into a car just to blow up the first car so that they could steal Jason Bateman or was just, just like, all right, we didn't blow up that SUV. So let's now steal one of them. And like, we can do like a beheading video. Like they seem to like change their game plan very quickly. <laughs> I like how you said that, that they're, you said it in a way that made it seem like they're YouTube content creators. They're like, oh, we got to roll with it. We, we got to roll just, with it. This is great. Like this is going to up our views. This is great. Yeah. What an opportunity, more content. Also, how did they know how to get the weakest link? Like, how did they pick out that Jason Bateman was the one? Like, I mean, right, have you is... have you looked at Jason Bateman? Let's be honest. I'm just saying, how did they know? You know, because he was wearing a pixie shirt. That's how they knew. So then there's a Benz that starts shooting at them, which I don't know what those guys are doing because the the Mercedes just kind of fucked everything up because they get shot up. And so then they're able to steal a Range Rover and then track the bends down. Um, and they get into this one area and they mention this is like the bad area that they shouldn't have gone to where like all the, they were like, if you ask any shop owner, he can become a terrorist or a suicide bomber like the next day. So it's like, you don't want to go to this area. Um, and immediately they see the SUV, they see the bends, and then a rocket launcher pops out and like shoots at them. And like from there on, it's just all hell breaks loose. I I love this set because it's just like these like, I, it's not even an alley. It's like a what what would you call this? Like a courtyard, and it's just <laughs> yeah, with a bunch of roads off shooting, and the, yeah, it's just like buildings everywhere. the The design of these buildings and like this setup for this shootout. And then the design of the apartments was like the hole in the floor from one to the other, where they have like the secret area where they record. All of that is so cool. Reminded me of a video game, like the way like a video game map would would be laid out would be kind of like right the different levels of the buildings, plus like just very convenient holes to to like drop down in. I, I then also think it's funny like Bateman kind of knows where they are in the speech on the piece of paper and like as they're about to finish up he kicks the camera and I think he hears the gunshots too so he's just alright they're going to have to start over if I kick the camera they got to <laughs> do one take so you know one thing that's established in a, in a like a horror movie is like you should never separate you should never split up but then of course like you have Jamie Foxx um, go with uh was his name ferris right yeah and then um jennifer gardner is on her own and i think chris cooper just stayed outside on the ground right well him and uh hatham because they're like oh you know we can't wait for backup um and i love hatham's like this is a very bad neighborhood and chris cooper's like no shit we just got like shot at for five minutes straight like we know it's a bad neighborhood uh you know what also is really good about this movie too is 
in a lot of movies in order to give like the good guys a chance to save their friend you have to have like these bad guys that are like oh we're not going to kill you right away but it's like this is a race against time they're trying to kill jason bateman as quickly as they can get it on camera and it's like like this happens so rapidly i think it's like very it's done in such a different way yeah <clears throat> and the only one who's stopping them is jason bateman because he's like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna ruin these terrorist youtuber the lighting's video. not right <laughs> you're gonna you can't backlit this let's fix it never did i expect jason bateman's character to like you know break out of his duct tape chains like use the tripod as like a nunchuck or whatever but i thought he was going to put up a little bit more of a fight than just kicking a couple of light stands over you know there's a lot of them and they had a machete to his neck so um but then jennifer garner stubble stumbles on well abu hamza which you don't know until later um but then i like that she's the one that saves bateman like Chris uh, Algazi and, and uh, Jamie Foxx are in the other room, like just fucking kicking ass, like shooting people, throwing grenades. I love the way that Jamie Foxx comes in and shoots a guy. And then Algazi comes in and shoots a guy and then that he's out of bullets. And then he pulls out his, like his pistol and like shoots him again, like just to make sure these guys are dead. Like that's like the most fucking James Bond shit in this movie. And it then Jennifer. In- Gar- Go I was going to say, it, it turned into a buddy cop film real quick. And it's like this shot of like both of their muzzles going, right? Uh, and it's just a shot of both their guns shooting at one dude. And it's just, it's very. Um... You, needed a, you needed a scene where Algazi cocks a shotgun with one arm and throws yes. it to Jamie Foxx. Yes. Just, let's just take the, take the exact same scene you're thinking of from Bad Boys 2 and just make it these two characters. And then while they're doing all that, Jennifer Garner saves the day at the last second and shoots everyone except the biggest dude in the room. Even Jason Bateman, like, chose to warn her, but he pulls her out of the fucking ceiling. Um, well, I just thought of another great, great scene for Jamie Foxx and, and uh, what's his name? Ronald? Ronald uh, Fleury? Fury? Flurry. Flurry? Like a, like a snowstorm. Um and, and Ferris, right? It's one of those things where Jimmy Fox runs out of the bullets of his gun. So Ferris has to like kick a gun in midair over to him. In the nick of time, he catches it, turns and like shoots a, a bad guy that's coming up behind Ferris. Like that kind of shot. It may have been overkill. No. Speaking of overkill, I love the fight scene with Jennifer Garner and the other guy. Jason Bateman helps a little bit, but when she pulls the knife out and like stabs him repeatedly in the chest, probably dead at that point, and then she just jams it in his skull after that, I was like, that's great. You forgot the part where before all this, she jams it in his dick. I mean, that was his leg. I don't know if that was his dick. I was his dick. I mean, and she would have had to like guess which side it like leaned to, you know. I think she was just going for this, like the mid center scrotum. Maybe. Yeah, that would hurt. (laughs) I can't think of anything more painful. And after this, because Jennifer Garner felt bad, she decides to go back into that room with the family, and she's like, "I'm going to give 
a lollipop to this little girl. It was the a mom's like the mom's like, yes, you can accept this lollipop from these infidels. Go for it. It didn't make any sense on that part about it. But also, wasn't there a baby crying? And that's what like cued her to like remember that family in there. Probably. Um, and I, I said something earlier. I was like, as soon as she saw him, she should have just went bam, 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 bam. Why? Um, have you ever seen that scene? In Men in Black, when Will Smith uh, is in the gun range and he shoots the little girl amongst like all the monsters. Like, why and, is she out at this night? Why does she have like a particle physics book? She's up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jennifer Garner should have read the room. They're like, why is this the only family in there? Why is it like seven of them? Why does that guy hold his hand behind his uh, back that way? And like... I heard a baby, but I don't see a baby. Like all this weird shit. Yeah, I don't. You'd be terrible in this situation. So then the little girl hands over the marble, and Jennifer Garner sees it, Al Ghazi sees it, and Al Ghazi immediately puts it all together and then asks, and the, like the way he stares at Abu Hamza, um, which is also just the great name for a bad guy, just like rolls off the tongue. Um, and then tells him to give him his hand. He's like, give me your hand, Abu Hamza. <laughs> but then that fucking little teenager comes in and shoots him in the back of the neck. Yeah. It's really sad. Like, now, it's such a sad death. <clears throat> there's a, it is a really sad death. Um, but there's a line that's said in the midst of the chaos that confuses the hell out of me. The little kid kills him. Then the gun jams and Jamie Foxx is forced to shoot the little kid. And so the little kid is bleeding out. Jennifer Gardner goes to the kid. Uh, Ferris is bleeding out. Jamie Foxx goes to Ferris and Jennifer Gardner says, it's okay. It's okay. He's just a kid. He's just a kid. Why is it okay? He's bleeding out. Like he's young. He's a kid. No, no, He'll no, bounce no. back from this. Like, no, I think she was saying, like, he's just a, I don't remember, I think she was like, okay, he's just a kid. She's like, he's just a kid. Like, it sucks that, that he's going to die. Like, she's trying to save his life because, yeah, he's like a terrorist, maybe, but he's also just a kid who's kind of brainwashed by this, like, what he's grown up in. So she feels bad for him dying. Yeah, but. I watched it twice and she says, it's okay. He's just a kid. It's just kind of a weird, maybe you're right. Like maybe that's what is meant to it, but it's a weird line reading. Nonetheless, she might've been saying to him, it's okay. It's okay. And then she's it's, you know, there might've been separate thoughts. He's just a kid. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. And I think it's really cool too, that Haytham comes in and he's the one that shoots Abu Hamza. He's just got like a very high kill rate. Is that what he, Oh, I guess that is what he did, didn't he? Because he he went into the building, and uh, as the cops were coming, Chris Cooper was like, "It's okay, you go ahead. I'll take care of this." Right? Yep. Yeah. Um, the if it was inappropriate for Jennifer Gardner to kill all the that entire family when they she first met them, fine, I understand that. Um. But now would have been a really good time to go and kill the entire family because uh, 
isn't like their their whole like mindset like anyone can be a part of this thing like the mother the daughter they're all going to be trying to continue on this like legacy right i don't think women are allowed to be bomb makers but uh, i mean the whole point of the end of the movie and we talked about this so uh, jennifer garner's crying in the initial meeting and jamie fox goes up and whispers something to her and then jason bateman asks about that in the middle of the movie and she plays it off as a joke and then he asks at the end and at the same time the mom asks the daughter what did you know your grandfather abu hamza what did he say to you before he died and it's the exact same thing like we're going to kill them all uh and the whole point of that especially from jamie fox's perspective is how bad he feels that that was the thought that came to him that we're going to kill them all because yeah it's like we're going to get the bad guys but when he says like we're going to kill them all to me a little bit he's lumping like all of these people in when there's a lot of like good people that also want to get these bad guys right right um and then the fact that this little girl was told the same thing by her grandpa as he's dying um i I thought it was a very poignant moment that maybe some people didn't see the same way as me also him meeting al ghazi's son (laughs) he also had daughters too he's like oh fuck that be like goes and meets the son which is just like kind of parallels meaning Fran's son in the beginning too and how yeah. he's like yeah he's like did you know my dad and he's like oh yeah your dad was like a really good friend to me um i, I wish al ghazi had not died it's very sad yeah um it you you took it as because he didn't say anything so you took it as jamie fox regretting saying whispering that to her because he didn't say anything he just said what he said to jason bateman and then it cut to Jennifer Gardner's reaction, cut back to him, and then it's kind of the end of the movie there. Well, he walked away. You took that as regret? I just thought it was just a parallel of, like, no matter if you're American or uh, from Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or wherever, it's like... Revenge is universal. Revenge is universal and hate begets hate and whatever. Yeah, exactly. So he has some regret about the hate that was he was filled with at the time yeah but he executed it <laughs> well i mean you know the guy had to die so eh. what are you gonna do he had to make had to have a movie there so overall i hadn't seen this movie in quite a while probably since close to when it first came out and i probably watched it a couple times like on dvd after um but this movie really held up to me uh, it was really good. Maybe not exactly on the same level as Hurt Locker, but I think a really well done movie that I think a lot of people should like give a chance and watch. I I really was happy to rewatch this one. Yeah, I'm glad this was one we did. We we I feel like we kind of spread these kind of movies apart. We definitely don't spread Peter Berg movies apart, but we we spread. Uh, war movies apart i mean once you do the rundown how could you stop you know all right we'll do mile 22 next no no thank you (laughs) and i really liked it i thought it was enjoyable i um it, it 
it's very Peter Berg, like we described. It's it's it was heartfelt. It was good, but it was also mainstream enough to kind of feel like a um, like a popcorn flick. So I enjoyed it, and I thought um, Jamie Foxx well, was brilliant in it. And the other thing too is like it's it's really like it's like some people have commented on it's like it's like a procedural investigation movie it's like a revenge movie but just put in this very like politically you know climax situation right like this very like fraught thing that we've been dealing with as a country for 20 years if you know longer um and so i think like it sort of elevated it um and yeah, yeah, it was really great. So yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Kingdom. <laughs>